News. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Another run for it? No, no. He ran out of asphalt in the middle of the night and asked me if he could come down here. All he's trying to do is make that there. No, no, no. Ah, oh, great. Huh. Perfect turns on every track I've ever raced. Sheriff, why don't you go get yourself a quart of oil that flows? I'll keep an eye on him. Well, thanks, Doc. I've been feeling a quart low. This ain't asphalt, son. This is dirt. Oh, great. What do you want? You here to glow? You don't have three-wheel brakes, so you gotta pitch it hard, break it loose, and and just drive it with a throttle. Give it too much, you'll be out of the dirt and into the tulips. So you're a judge, a doctor, and a racing expert. I'll put it simple. If you're going hard enough left, you'll find yourself turning right. Oh, right. That makes perfect sense. Turn right to go left. Yes! Thank you! Or should I say no thank you? Because in opposite world, maybe that really means thank you! Crazy grandpa car. What an idiot! <laughs> Turn right to go left. Stay out. Uh, you have three piston cups. How could you? I knew you couldn't drive. I didn't know you couldn't read. <laughs> 
You're the Hudson Hornet. Wait over it flows, like I told you. Of course, I, I can't believe I didn't see it before. You're the fabulous Hudson Hornet. You still hold the record for most wins in a single season. Oh, we gotta talk. You gotta show me your tricks, please. I already tried that. I mean, you won the championship three times. Look at those trophies. You look. All I see is a bunch of empty cups. Took Hud all in no time to work his way through the best racers in both Carolinas. Fast River, Fast Lou, even Junior. But there was still the rookie to deal with. Tried slamming him into the wall. But Hud never touched any wall, unless he wanted to. He never saw anything like that before. Doc, hold it. Seriously, your driving's incredible. Wonderful. Hey, I mean it. You've still got it. I'm asking you to leave. Come on, I'm a race car. You're a much older race car, but under the hood, you and I are the same. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up must leave. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, everybody, this is Major, like Tom Major without the tub. Just remember, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars right here on the radio. And if you're not, then I don't know what the heck you're listening to. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our 526 shows, I believe, you can go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. Hey, how you doing? Bobby is driving the radio station this evening. And so I'm sitting here. You know how to drive a radio station? Yeah. Uh, I do. So, I'm, you do. That's right. So I'm sitting in here with my co-host, uh, Scooby-Doo. Anyway, we got an exciting show. <laughs> we got a pretty good show for you tonight. We got another exciting guest this evening. It's all about the guests. It's not about me. But anyway, all right, Charlotte, let me give you, uh, I don't know if I got a story or not. Usually I have a story or two. But uh, so what did we do this weekend? Well, this weekend we went to Leadfoot City's. I think this would be their fourth swap meet. So that would have been Father's Day. They had the first one. Then they had one. So that would have been June, July, August, September. That's the fourth one. So and every month it gets a little bit better. And yeah, you know, every time I go there, I always find something. But it's a great place for me to network with people because uh, Leadfoot City's um, swap meet is pretty much put on by I think Monster Transmission up there in Brooksville. So it's just south of Brooksville on 41. Real easy to get to, plenty of parking, lots of trees, lots of shade. Um, they do it right. They got a swap meet, they got a car show, they got a motorcycle show, they have live entertainment, which is cool. You got a couple guys up there in music, uh, music, musical instruments up there, guitars and banjos or drums and uh, portable piano. Is that and called a band? 
That's all a band. That's oh, right. okay. That's, that's right. That's right. That's and they actually play music and it actually they coordinate together and they actually sound pretty good. Uh, and they have assorted bands. You know, every week it's or every month or something different. They have a uh, let's call it a skid pad, but what's real popular up there is uh, it's kind of like they have a little like little drifting contests or drifting exhibitions, and that's pretty good. And then, of course, this time they had a guy on their motorcycle going out there doing little motorcycle stunts, and then they had uh, what appeared to be if you go to our Facebook page, Nostalgic Canyon Cars. It appears that they were racing around on the skid pad with, like, electric scooters, like handicap scooters that were modified. So, in other words, the bodies were off. <laughs> you were just dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> yeah, buddy. But anyway. <laughs> Keep them coming, Bobby. Anyway, our buddy, our, uh, I just dropped my armrest over here. Um, anyway, how so. How do you manage to do that? <laughs> how do I manage to do I hit the button. I was leaning on one side. At any rate, uh, what else? Oh, yeah. So uh, there was a lot of good stuff there. A lot of race car stuff, a lot of hot rod stuff. And um, I was on the quest for a set of rotten, ugly, bent up, rusty model fenders. And the reason being is because a while back, a number of years ago, buddy of mine gave me a, uh, traded me, because in our world, in our little car world, you know, we, as parts junkies, um, we tend to swap and barter and trade and stuff like that. But I ended up with a Model A grill. And then I was at the Sumter County Flairgrounds, which was the first uh, Sunday of every month. The Leadfoot Cities is the third Sunday of every month. And uh, somehow I ended up with a light bar off of Model A, or what I believe to be off of Model A. It's kind of cool. It's a little metal, and it's got some brass. It's got a brass ring on it, you know, like a, a bezel. It's kind of cool. And then the, the glass is tinted a little bit. It's got kind of a yellow tint, tint to it. So I took it apart, pinned the back end of it, kind of a gold color. So it gives a little bit of a yellow, amber kind of look to it, which is kind of cool. But it's kind of retro. So the only, And I started hanging this stuff on the wall. And... I was missing something. I said, nah, it needs a little more character. I know. It needs some fenders. And uh, so I ran into my buddy Jay up there, who was an old school racer from the old days back down in Palm Beach and Broward County. Is Palm Beach, Broward County, Bobby? Or is that Palm Beach County? Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County? Where's Broward? Just below it? Just below Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Anyway, Davy, is that part of West Palm Beach or is that Broward also? I think that sounds like Broward. <laughs> it sounds like Broward. Doesn't sound like West Palm Beach. It's not. Anyway, there's PBI, which is Palm Beach International Raceway, which later turned into Moroso, which is now back to being Palm Beach International Raceway. Track strip, but they do some road racing and stuff down there. And we've been down there with, with uh, HSR, Phoenix Race Car Club, and... Some dra- uh, drag stuff going on there. I think they had Fun Ford Sunday down there one time, Super Chevy, you know, all that kind of stuff. So PBI is pretty cool. Parade. But anyway, so Jay comes up with some oddball stuff every once in a while, mostly vintage racing stuff, hammy stuff, uh, flathead stuff, and just bizarre stuff. But anyway, he was there, so I was jaw-jacking with him a little bit. And I said, hey, you know what I need? I need a paying some- customer? Yeah. <laughs> I need some junky Model A fenders. He says, well, today's your lucky day. It's my lucky day? Yes, it was my lucky day. So he said, yeah, I just happen to have a junk Model A pickup truck, and the body and the fenders are the same. He says, they're really nasty. You may or may not want them, but I didn't throw them out yet, but if you want them, I'll drop them by. So yesterday, Monday, was yesterday Monday? No, yeah, Monday, he came by my shop dropped them off. So I stared at him for a while, and a friend of mine, Greg, was standing there, and we were looking at him, and I'm going, hmm. Just say, show me the Carfax. <laughs> and that's what Greg said. No, anyway, uh, so the one fender is, the, the right fender is kind of usable. The left one, man, that's Swiss cheese. But Bobby's a welder now, and because uh, he's not. Uh, I know he's not. 
He's not. <laughs> he learned welding in school. He can. And and he can turn it on. Or I can turn it on. Maybe turn make it. some sparks. Okay, we're gonna try to make some sparks. We're gonna use our little one ten buzz box, and we're gonna kind of patch this thing up. And then I'm gonna cut it short, and then I'm gonna make some brackets, and I'm gonna fabricate it, and I'm gonna put it on the wall. And then when I do, I will proudly display it on Facebook, since that's where everybody else goes. Facebook. Not that we're Facebook fans, but we do Facebook. <laughs> much and, to my dismay, we do. Yeah, much to my dismay. All right. Anyway, thank you for that commentary there, Bobby. Um, I hope they hear it out there on that live. <laughs> what a platform. Anyway, <laughs> social media, what can I say? But anyway, but so... they can't take our tower. <laughs> no, they can't take our tower. But anyway, so while I was out there scrounging around, I ran across a guy who had some other miscellaneous things, but I found a set of rare... Uh, if, you guys are, if you guys are... My era, you know, in your 60s, born in the 50s, 60s, uh, if you flew on airplanes back in the early 60s, mid-60s, they had these funky seatbelts that were kind of like, uh, kind of a, I can't even describe them, but they're like a buckle where they where the seat, uh, the other side of the seat kind of slides in, and you pull it and tighten it, and it's got like a little spring-loaded little latch thingy. Anyway, there was a guy that had a set of those there. Seatbelts, I do not believe, I think we had this discussion once before, I think they weren't mandated either 64 or 68. Um, Headrest, I think, was 68. If Alan's listening, he's the uh, automotive dictionary encyclopedia. He'll probably know. He'll call in. But anyways, but these are er- these were early set of aircraft style seatbelts. But what was interesting on the backside of the buckle, it was cast cast Ford. So I knew because safety was kind of becoming an issue in the late 50s. You know, they, they first came out with padded dashes and a few little things back then. There were some safety features incorporated in cars back in the day. Seatbelts weren't mandatory, but they were becoming uh, prevalent. And they were becoming an, they were an option, and they were becoming prevalent. So my guess is these were late 50s, early 60s-style seatbelts. But the gentleman that I got them from said they came out of a 64, 65 Mustang. He also had a set of 64 date coated Mustang fastback or fastback uh, seatback seatbelts, which I picked those up too. So uh, if you need some seatbelts, give me a call. But the Ford ones, the vintage ones, are not gonna. I'm not gonna sell those because I'm probably gonna stick those in my uh, 57 Thunderbird because I would be period correct for that. And since I've had that car since I was in high school, we didn't use seatbelts back then. Still don't sometimes. But anyway, what we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. <laughs> Man, that's an appropriate one. Anyway, uh, so uh, I got a set of seatbelts. And there were some other miscellaneous things there. But And then uh, my buddy Vic from uh, Cigar City Concourse was there, and he had a little license plate frame that said uh, Aston Martin Jaguar of Tampa. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. It was a little oxidized, so I asked him if it came out of the bottom of the Tampa Bay because it was pretty nasty looking. But... Hey, if you're into vintage stuff and you like, and if you're into, you know, some of the stuff may not be adequate for cars, you know, to put on your car necessarily, but you know what they are? It's ideal uh, car art. Just hang on the wall. It's just cool. It's a conversation piece. Somebody walks into your shop or whatever, your little man cave, you know, even if you make just one little wall, one little corner, make it yours, you know, uh, or if it's in your office. But that's the cool thing about this kind of stuff. I mean, you don't have room maybe to hang a 32 Ford grill in your shop or something like that or in your house. Your wife might not like that. Mom might not like that, but she says down there in your hole, you can put whatever you want down there. Take your couch with you. Take your microwave. (laughs) Uh, And your little uh, coffee pot. But at any rate, uh, Bobby, I think we're going to throw something on the tube. And since we're into the, our guest this evening likes grunge or 
heavy metal. Um, so we're going to do a little of, uh, we're going to go with the grunge direction this time. So here's a guy by the name of Tom Snyder. He's out of, uh, I'm going to say the Pacific Northwest. And um, this is a play, it's kind of like a, um, what's the word they call on it, Bobby, when they do a play on something? Uh, parody. That's it, that's yeah. it, parody. It's a parody on grunge. So, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Waiting Cars. Enjoy the song. This guy's kind of pretty good. He's a lyricist and he's a pretty good singer. Not, he, you know, he can pick a six string pretty good. Anyway, you're tuning into Nostalgic Waiting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Seattle to play some grunge. Washington State, that in. Space Needle. Eddie Vedder. Mud Honey. Fast, we wear flannel shirts. We turn our amps up until it hurts. We got bad attitudes, and what's more, when we play, we stare straight down at the floor while we pretty scary. How pensive, how totally alternative. Now, to fit in on the Seattle scene, you gotta do something they ain't never seen. So, thinking up a gimmick one day, we decided to be the only band that wouldn't play a note. Under any circumstances Silence Music's original alternative Roots grunge Well we spread the word through the underground That we were the hottest new Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Okay, we're back and you're tuning into Nostalgic. Uh, we're at the racetrack. Race uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars here. Anyway, uh, big shout out to Kenny. I see Kenny's tuning in again. Probably Scott and a couple other guys. Radio Rob, Alan, and uh, oh, I should get my little romper room uh, mirror out, you know, like Miss whatever name used to do. And that's before your time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> those of you tuning in, you know. Oh, yeah, you need to do the arty laughs. We had the arty laughs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so we're really going to the, the dust off of that one. Swap mate. Okay, all right. So then the other thing is, uh, what else did I do? I, I love driving around because when you're driving around, I have a bad habit of doing it. I don't stay on the main roads. I go down side roads, and I go down more side roads, and occasionally I even get stuck on side roads. I attest to that. You can attest to that. Yeah, well, here's, 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 the, here's the, the rub or the joke. IG, he's probably listening, too. But I have a bad habit of I I drive a van now occasionally and uh, or whatever I was driving truck whatever but I have a bad habit of if something's useful laying alongside of the road whether it be in the meeting side of the road Bobby can attest to this what do I do I stop and pick it up because I got a use for it I don't care whether it's a milk crate I don't care whether it's a bucket a pallet 
Bag of hammers. <laughs> yep, yep. It's uh, it's great, great rescue here. <laughs> great rescue. <laughs> anyway, but we have some fun with it, and uh, you know. So, but anyway, so what did I find the other day? I mean, the stuff is still out there, guys. Um, it's not uncommon to find a Mustang. There's up there. I'm not going to say. It's just like a couple of weeks ago, or three, four weeks ago, when I had to make a trip to Alabama, and uh, to do an appraisal on the car. I took every side road. I mean, the good thing about the phone is, is I have Google Maps, so. I don't always get lost, but every once in a while, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's hard to determine when you look at Google Maps whether the road actually goes through. And nothing's worse than when you're going down a long road for a number of miles, looking left, looking right, you know, rubberneck, and all of a sudden, suddenly the road disappears. It turns into a dirt road, so you figure, yeah, okay, you know, because I've been in dirt roads that kind of hopscotch around, next thing you look at their asphalt, and you make a left, make a right, go through a couple woods and around a couple trees, and next thing you know, you're on a, on a, on a road again. And um, But when you get into a dead-end road, it's not cool. But I've been on the hunt lately for some tractor parts, uh, some forklift parts, um, some F-250 parts. Um, see what else? Oh, all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, because I'm working on a number of different projects for a number of different reasons. But anyway, but we like to have varieties of spice of life. Isn't that what they say, Bobby? Varieties of spice of life? That is. Something like that. But anyway, so, uh, but there's certain cars out there, I think, that are kind of valuable. And our guest is going to be coming on here in a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the cars. But we talk a lot about, you know, the cars that are affordable. Now, what's hot right now, real hot, third gen Camaros. I mean, second gen Camaros and Firebirds, F-bodies, we know they're hot. We know Mustangs are uh, up until 73. Mustang 2s, yeah, jury's still out on those. But there are some guys collecting them. Big shout out to my friends down there at Forte's Garage, and uh, they sent me a, a lady the other day that uh, is uh, got looking to purchase a 1978 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Pretty car. It was originally the, uh, um, dang, I can't think of that. It's kind of like a coffee brown, mocha brown, but the car was repainted. I think 78's a one-year-only color. It's called uh, Martinic Blue. Very, very pretty car, and it's owned by a gentleman here in St. Pete. So basically, I'm doing a PPI slash appraisal on that car. Pretty neat old piece. So a big shout-out to my friends down there at Forte's Garage. And if you need your car worked on or your ski boat, you know, that's where you want to go. 727-544. Jeez, I can't remember. Uh, God, my mind. You know what's really bad is my mind goes blank. But anyway, look them up. 644-5440. I think that's what it is. 727-644-5440. Pretty sure. Forte's, uh, Forte's Garage. Anyway, but um, so but uh, Fox Body Mustangs, third-gen Camaros, and Firebirds are hot right now. Obviously, we know the Grand Nationals are. Cars like that. These are cars are all buyable, you know, uh, under 15 grand, you know, for driver-quality cars. Driver-quality cars. Now, the second-gen Camaros and Firebirds are getting up there a little bit. You know, they're pulling the mid-20s, low-30s, depending on which ones they are. And, of course, even though I'm not a Chevy guy, I'm a Ford guy, but I do like 70-and-a-half Z28s. And I think my buddy Kenny that's listening has got a 72 or 3 Z28 and that's just a good-looking car. Those 70, 71, 72, 73 Camaros, really attractive car. Same thing with the Trans Ams and the Firebirds, pretty cars. So bang for the buck, that's a good car. Parts available. You know, our friends up there at National Parts Depot got all kinds of cool stuff. But anyway, on that note, I think Bobby's going to fire up the stereo again. We're going to get our guests on. You're tuned into Nostalgic Winning Cars. Don't touch that dial. Here's a little, we got Foo Fighters? Yes, we do. Foo Fighters. Okay, hey, we'll be right back.
so we just uh, forget about Logan taking over, okay, Flatnose? You always said that any one of us could challenge you, Butch. Well, it's because I figured no one would do it. Figured wrong, Butch. You guys can't want Logan. Well, at least he's with us, Butch. You've been spending a lot of time gone. Well, that's because everything's different now. Guns or knives, it's Butch? It's harder now. You gotta plan more. You gotta prepare more. Guns or knives? Neither. Pick. I don't want to shoot with you, Harvey. Anything you say, Butch. Maybe there's a way to make a profit in this. Bet on Logan. I would, but who'd bet on you? Sundance. When we're done, if he's dead, you're welcome to stay. <clears throat> Listen, I don't mean to be a sore loser, but uh, when it's done, if I'm dead, kill him. Love to. No, no, not yet. Not until me and Harvey get the rules straightened out. Rules? In a knife fight? No rules! What? Well, if there ain't gonna be any rules, let's get the fight started. Someone count one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. I was really rooting for you, Butch. <laughs> well, thank you, Flatnose. That's what sustained me in my time of trouble. This is Keith Martin, publisher of Sports Car Market and American Car Collector, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is, yes, a car collector. He's a uh, writer. But he's mostly well-known for writing and putting together consignment catalogs for top-notch auctions like Gooding, Bonhams, R.M. Sotheby's. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, David Nyers. David, how you doing? I'm awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks all, for having me. All the way from Canada. That's right, Ontario. I'm halfway between Detroit and uh, uh, Toronto. Okay. Well, David, why don't you, uh, I was talking a little earlier about cars, a couple of them, but we'll get into that a little later. But why don't you give us a little uh, background on yourself, and I'll let you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do. This is like, uh, what's my line? (laughs) (laughs) My first time at it. All right. Well, you know, I've been a car nut since about three and a half years old. And uh, when I was about four, I started reading uh, the newspaper to my granny. Yeah, when I was over visiting her, and uh, for some reason I uh, thought there might be uh, some people might be interested in uh, somebody that uh, likes cars that uh, also likes writing. And uh, about I think I was about 40, 41 years old, and finally uh, finally started working at that when I uh, got into the auction business. Prior to that, you were what? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, uh, actually uh, an account manager to, at a bank branch, uh, helping my customers uh, uh, deal with their uh, with their finances. But uh, conversations went invariably every time we met uh, to cars and uh, and uh, uh, classic cars, especially and hot rods. Okay, so it was kind of like a uh, natural evolution, just to kind of like sidestep the uh, banking industry and wind up in the. Uh, I mean, dealing with investments in portfolios, you're dealing with collector cars, which are basically investments and in portfolio uh, assets. Oh, totally, yeah. And uh, a little bit of a long, strange trip to get there, but uh, um, started in 2008 and haven't looked back ever, ever since. Love it. Made a lot of great friends and uh, saw a lot of uh, really cool collections, and uh, um, I'm busier than ever before, so that's, uh, that's a, a real plus to the business, too. So what was it like growing up in Canada? What was the car culture like when you were growing up, when you were a teenager? You know, um, I was one of two car-crazy guys in my high school. That was it, out of about 400 uh, students. 
and uh, people just uh, we were the uh, the weirdos of the uh, of the uh, school. I was sporty too, though, so I played a lot of hockey and a lot of other sports. But uh, there weren't too many car crazy guys like me. Uh, the other fella, um, he runs a business in Tulsa called Cars, and he uh, he builds hot rods for all the local uh, older fellows that you know have uh, done well and made money, and uh, he's he builds their rides for them. So uh, we're both in in our business now. Excellent. So you both wound up following your passion, so to speak. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, uh, it, it sounds trite, but uh, I couldn't have scripted it any better. Now, when you were 16, of course, we always ask this, and this is kind of a cliche question, but uh, people want to know, you know, what was your first car? Uh, first car was, uh, we all had pickup trucks because it was a farming area. So mine was a 78 Chevy Silverado. Okay. 354 barrel shift kit, adders, duels, and uh, smoked the tires and had a lot of fun with it. And uh, that was my first uh, first fun ride. Okay. Long bed or a few sh- others uh, shortly after. Short bed or long bed truck? It was a long bed, a Big Ten cargo hauler, actually. And uh, it turned out the uh, rear suspension was uh, it laid down the, the traction pretty good. Okay, well, you know what? The Chevy truck suspension, the rear trailing arms and everything like that, they still use that, or not anymore, but that was used in NASCAR for years and years and years and years. I didn't know that until one day I was looking underneath the car, and I lost a bet. So, oh, well. You know, I didn't know that either, but it, it works. It works. That's the main thing. It's, it's not fancy, but it works. Uh-huh. So now, today, moving forwards, you're a car collector, and I understand you like Pontiac. So tell us a little bit about some of the Pontiacs that you might have stashed away. Oh, I wish I had some stashed away, but I'll tell you, my first, um, uh, actually my second ride was in high school, and I bought it myself with uh, my hay baling and uh, tobacco harvest money, and that was a 79 10th anniversary Trans Am that I found, and uh, it was only four years old at the time, and uh, I just loved that car. I wouldn't change the 8-track, the red digital uh, LED display, I kept the 8-track tapes, uh, loved it. That was a, a fabulous road car. I, mean, I love GTOs and F bodies anyway, but uh, that was, uh, if I could get another one, that would be uh, the one to buy. Well, now you're in the industry. I mean, it should be pretty easy for you to come across something like, you know, a car like that. I mean, they are out there. Oh, oh, they are. And they, they built quite a number of them, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that'd probably be an easy target to score. So tell us about the uh, the auction world and some of the stuff that you've done. Now, I know you've written some some articles for some publications as well. Yeah, uh, quite a number of them, uh, especially uh, for the uh, the uh, Concord program for the uh, St. John's uh, used to be Meadowbrook. Uh-huh. I did a few of those. Uh, some nice long features for that. Um, I'm also in. Um, I also deal in the Warbird market, so I've sold. Uh, some uh, restoration projects uh, that are coming to going to be shown soon in the next couple of years once they're done restoration. But uh, so I've done some articles for Flypass from the UK, uh, Warbird Digest for the states. Uh, oh, that'd be just a couple of them anyway. Uh, uh, RM Magazine, uh, Barrett Jackson Experience Magazine. I've done some there. Uh, so it's it's always varied. There's always a different uh, kind of a different assignment every day. Now, when you do these cars, like so, let's just say you do something for Goodings or Bonhams or RM or even Barrett Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, they're salon cars. Um, do you, the quality level of these cars, and this is where I run into as an appraiser every once in a while, because people, 
you know, guys like yourself, if you've been to St. John's, which is up in Michigan, up in Novi there, and uh, and or mm-hmm. Amelia Island or Pebble, or back when they did the Arizona Concourse, and there's a number of concourses. I've never been to Greenwich or anything like that. And I know there's another one, Cobble Beach or something like that's up in Canada someplace. Not yeah, too there is. Yeah, up on Georgian Bay here near Collingwood. That's okay. sort of our uh, Pebble Beach North. Yeah, I think we've had uh, a couple people from there on our show before because they had it last year, and then uh, I think this year, unfortunately, everything's been canceled or postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you right. when you do these cars, are they all describe for our listeners the caliber of cars these are? Because these are not cars that you would just really drive on the road every day. These are these cars are very special. Yeah, and there's you're absolutely right, and there's a huge wide range of them. You know, be them uh, pre-war, brass era, uh, post-war, you know, uh, muscle cars and uh, supercars, the modern supercars now. But even, even you know, Japanese domestic market, JDM uh, vehicles, it's, it's so broad. And there's so many nice cars out there. And um, the, the running joke is I've never met a car I didn't like kind <laughs> of idea. So, and that's after all these years in the business. Uh, I mean, it's, it, there's always something fun. There's always something, um, maybe it's industrial history, or maybe it's who designed the cars. Um, maybe it's who drove them and raced them. Sometimes I'm able to track those people down and talk to them if they're still alive or still with us and, uh, you know, get it from the, right, so they say, from the horse's mouth, you know, the, a little bit more of the story. So that... Um, which really makes this a human business. It's we're selling cars, but we're dealing in relationships and we're dealing in trust and uh, friendship and uh, the experience around it all. So I, I'm kind of going around in circles a little bit, but it's uh, you know we're dealing with a product, we're dealing with a service, but at the and you know before, during, and after, it's about the people. Well, one thing I've said uh, many times on this show, and there's a few people that agree with me, I would say Jay Leno, who's been on the show a number of times, Donald Osborne, a few people like that, uh, Bill Warner. Right. Cars have a soul. People don't get it. They think it's ridiculous. It's an inanimate object, but there's a soul. And, you know, it's like when that totally. 1932, you know, Duesenberg rolled off the assembly lines, that car was custom-bodied. And it was special ordered, and it meant somebody to the buyer at the time, the person that ordered that car and owned that car. And it was an experience. And I'll, I'll just use Clark Gable as an example. You start looking at some of the cars, and I don't know if you've done any of his cars. I mean, if you've done RM and Goodings, I know he's, there are a few of his cars have rolled through their auctions over the years. And he was kind of like the Jay Leno of the times. He had a number of cars. But, you know, his cars were all custom, special. So you got this Clark Gable soul and spirit with that car, and when you when you appraise a car, when you look at a car, and I know it sounds kind of corny, but it's almost like it takes you back in time, and you try to put yourself there at the showroom, ordering that car, specking that car out, and now the car yeah. becomes a spirit, if you will, and it becomes something, and it's just really cool, and it and that stays with the car. Do you find that true? Oh, totally. There, are, there, there's, there's an energy to them. Absolutely right. I've um, been able to, um, actually, I've been able to drive uh, uh, a friend's uh, uh, Indy car, actually a '59 Indy Roadster. Uh, no, um, pardon me, it's a 1948 Indy car before the Roadster era, and it was campaigned by his dad's uh, Lincoln Mercury dealership. And to imagine what those guys were doing at, you know, 130, 140 miles an hour on the speedway um, in such a tight, 
confined space, you know, uh, so exposed to the elements and everything, and, you know, that I was, you know, in the cockpit, and I had a chance to just drive it briefly, and it was pretty cool. So you so did... There's a, there's a soul. So you, it's like you sit in a car, you close your eyes, and it's just like you're in that time machine, and you're in that, you're in that moment, right? Yeah, and you know what? When you when you experience something like that, you're in that moment, like you said, and and you know it. it it's 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 unfolding right in front of you. So, I used to. I mean, I used to have a pedal car when I was three and a half years old, a, a Chaparral Mark II pedal car. So it was pretty pretty groovy at the time. And and uh, believe me, I. I imagined I was uh, on the track with uh, all the all the all the big guys back then, Donahue and Fulmer and all those guys and Parnelli Jones and all that. So uh, I let my imagination run wild, and I guess I still do. So I, it, it lets me be a kid again. That feeling too is it's is where I'm going with this is that if the car's never been restored, if the car's like a survivor, a period correct oh, yeah. car, it truly. Emanate, I mean, that feeling emanates from those cars as opposed to a car that's been restored. I mean, you. when I look at a car that's been restored, yeah. I go, all right, it's just another restored car. It's nice, it's cool, it's pretty, it's beautiful, it's concourse and everything like that. But a car that's all original with that that feeling, that character, that soul, that you can't take, take away. And that's what I tell people. I said, a car's only original one time. You take it apart, that's all gone. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, I really like cars that are... Uh, I, I I I take something that's maybe got paint issues or whatever, but it's solid and it's all there. And you know you can, it, it just seems like more authentic. You can you can imagine what it was like for these guys to build them or you know race them or drive them. Absolutely right. So of all the cars that you've done, well I shouldn't say of the many cars, is there a couple that really left you with a um, unforgettable? Just wow. Uh, just a certain, just that feeling, you know. I mean, because you've done some cars, so give oh, me yeah. a car out of the '30s that you did that just gave you that. Just, I'm just totally you. You were like in awe. Oh yeah, there's a few of them, but uh, the one that sticks out as my personal favorite. I don't know if um, any of the listeners would would know this car. If they went to Amelia or Pebble Beach at some point, they would have seen this one. It's a uh, a 19. 19- 30 Cord L29 front drive. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Hayes Coupe. It's that it's this blue um, coupe. And at the time, everybody wanted open cars, roadsters and touring cars and uh, uh, things like that. Uh, and this one was a coupe, and it was really a cutting-edge design. And, and the designer was probably the most famous designer uh, of automobiles in the 20s and the 30s. And then when the coach-building era ended, um, with the war uh, and afterwards, he fell completely out of favor, and yet he was like the leading designer uh, of of the pre-war era, uh, Alexis Kosatnowski. And um, that whole story, his life story, really took on a new life with me when I was doing the description for this car. I mean, he won all the major awards in Europe with it. You had to actually drive to each event. Um, you, you couldn't, you know, he, he replaced batteries because the... the uh, uh, um, the generator was failing. So this is a designer at the top of his game, and he's not afraid to go and turn wrenches and, and make this thing work so we can get to the next show. And he won it, uh, I believe, in, in London, England, Monaco, and uh, in Paris. But uh, stunning car, stunning story, um, you know, triumph and tragedy, uh, everything you need for a movie. But uh, that, 
that's the car that kind of takes me into that. And then Brooke Stevens owned it from uh, around 1940 uh, and, uh, and through the 80s, actually. And the car got shown at Pebble Beach, uh, which is really cool. So I got to talk to the man who restored it for Brooks and uh, kind of, you know, get get his take on it a little bit. But what a story. What a car. Uh, and it's just the most beautiful, probably the most beautiful object any I've seen anyone ever make so, uh, in my lifetime, anyway. And that sounds like a pretty cool car, because there was a car, uh, the L29 Cord, that was owned by... Uh, Lloyd Lloyd Wright, the architect, and yeah, uh, yeah. that car was actually here in Pinellas County at one point in time in the mid '80s, and I had an opportunity to buy that car, and I'm not sure what the whole oh, story wow. was, but there was a broker involved in it, and I always wanted to be an architect, so I had to. And I grew up in Northern California, and, and one of the last projects that uh, Lloyd Wright did was the uh, convention center at Terralinda, which is in Marin County where I grew up. Okay, so yeah. I had, I had this thing for Lloyd Wright, and I had, and I, and I thought about it at the time, and it was within my reason, within my means of affordability. It was really only twenty some odd thousand bucks, which wasn't a lot back in the eighties for a very unusual and very rare car. Since we were paying that for Shelby's and Bosses and Porsches and stuff like that, but I, I passed on it. And today, I think that car is probably worth three, four hundred thousand dollars. But the L twenty nine Core is an absolutely stunning car, especially if you get it with the wood lights on it. Um, oh yeah, they're they're brilliant. They're just a beautiful look, the Art Deco kind of thing going yes. on. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is in front drive. I mean, the first American front drive car. Yes, yes. And but here's the thing about the cars, and you you've got to kind of share this and experience this as well. Is like, you know, even though you and I are probably muscle car guys and grew up with cars in fifties and sixties or sixties and seventies and stuff. It's kind of like okay, how many more Camaros, Mustangs, Firebirds? No disrespect to those cars, but I mean they're cool. But what happens is you're kind of looking for something different. These pre-war cars that you're talking about, are you, you start looking at them, and you can actually see the design, the engineering, the mechanics on it, and you really get a, a, a good idea of what is really involved in a car because you can see it. You can see everything. There's nothing hidden. It's all there. It's all That's that. right. And, you yeah. can, and it's fixable. That's right. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing is pre-war cars are um, a relatively huge value in the market right now. I mean, you know, something like an Auburn Boattail Speedster is always going to be a big, thicker car. Uh, but, you know, a Duesenberg J is always going to be a big, thicker car. But then there's accessibility even in, in when you break those down in terms of what the bodywork is like, uh, say for a Duesenberg. I mean, you know, they're a little less expensive for a sedan, but they still bring a ton of money. Uh, but the thing is, um, there was an, a, an amazing amount of engineering uh, know-how, prowess, uh, uh, skill before World War II. And, I mean, these, like the Duesenberg J, for example, 320 horsepower with a supercharger. Dual overhead cams, four valves per cylinder. Uh, I think those cars were good for at least 120 miles an hour. Now the, the the basic J could do hit you know over 100 miles an hour on a good stretch of road. Um, but you know again, uh, it was race based engineering like Indianapolis cars, and uh, uh, you know it's, the specifications for those cars you know sound pretty current today even. You're uh... you know they really had things going on. They did, and you stop and think about it. You're talking about that, you know, a Model J or SJ Duesenberg or some of those cars. Now you're talking cars that weighed what seven, eight thousand pounds. Those things were huge. Yeah, exactly. And they were delivering that kind of performance, you know, at the time on the roads of the time. I mean, uh, I don't, 
I, I think interstates were only really being rolled out after those cars were in their heyday. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic achievement. But then again, you look at a Model T, um, you know, a, a Model T Ford. I mean, uh, they're easy to fix. They're easy to maintain. There's a lot of parts available. And, you know, yeah, there were millions of them made. On the other hand, uh, they're an absolute icon that you can grab for eight to $10,000 uh, and have fun with. You know, so that's what it's about, too. I mean, it's nice to see the museum cars. It's nice to see the trailer queens and the Concour cars. But um, I get just as much joy, if not more joy, out of something that uh, you can have a little fun with on a secondary road around here. You've ridden for Gooding, Bonhams, RM. How about museums? Have you ever done anything for any of the museums up your way or around the country? Any uh, category, uh, uh, cataloging or uh, storylines for them or... or um, descriptions. I'd like to help them to be able to stay in operation. Uh, I've, I've, part of my job is is cataloging the cars that are going to auction, and it's usually a sadly when someone's passed away uh, or a museum is folded, and uh, where I see cars hitting the market again. And you know, it'd be kind of nice to kind of help uh, some of these organizations stay afloat or stay relevant, and maybe get the word out about them so that uh, you know the donation jar and the cash registers are, are overflowing again. So there's, there's always two sides of the coin. Mostly it's the liquidation side, though, when I when I see them. Uh, a topic that comes up a lot and comes up very often on this show, in fact, over the weekend I was actually with uh, some guys from the uh, um, American Truck, Classic Truck, Antique Truck, and uh, Antique Classic Truck uh, Association of America or something like that. And uh, okay. so getting people, younger people interested in our hobby, you know, and it's like your take on it. I mean, I think when you look at the cars, the post, post-war cars, you know, and how ornate, um, that's part of just the, the beginning of the, you know, it's part of the Art Deco age, the industrial age, some sure. pretty amazing stuff out of the 30s. Do you think that the younger crowd will gra- gravitate to that? Because those cars are historically significant, and there was a lot of innovation mm-hmm. back in those days that carried forward to what we have today. Give them a ride in one. Uh, if you ever had a ride in an L29 or a Duesenberg J or a, a Packard 12 or a Marmon 16, uh, I think uh, even the most video game um, addled young person would probably just be just as jazzed about that stuff as I am. Uh, yeah, I think I think the idea is get them to experience these these cars firsthand, not just sitting in a museum, but actually when they're doing something, when they're actually operating and, uh, you know, uh, driving. Um, but getting kids involved by working on them, I think, is the way the way to win that. That's a, that that's sort of a, a challenge, you know, uh, hands on. Um, you know, phone down, hands-on, I think uh, it'd be a real kick for a lot of young folks. Well, we're, we're working real hard to get Mike Rowe on our show because he's a big proponent of uh, vocation and automotive and just yeah. all kinds of stuff in schools. And we, you and I had that when we were in schools. It's not there now, but that's kind of one thing we need. But tell us about some of the restoration shops. We've got a few minutes left. So I know you've been around some of these cars, and you've seen some of them go through the restoration process. Tell us about, uh, name a restoration shop or two in the country that are just, that do some mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, when it comes to, um, actually, not just muscle cars, but 
um, you know, classic European sports cars, Cobras, uh, Tigers, thing, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Ferrari racing cars even. Some of them have been mangled up in uh, well-documented wrecks. One of the best places I've ever seen that has done any of that kind of work is Legendary Motor Car, and I'm not paid to endorse these folks. Okay. Um, I know these folks, but they're uh, they're in Milton, Ontario, and uh, to see the techniques they use um, in terms of a, a restoration, um, they have a TV show as well, and, and just to see the, the things they do to make sure that a must, uh, you know, uh, an early Mustang is is square and sound and, and will withstand a, a restoration is you know, un- unbelievable what they do, and I think they've pioneered a lot of work in the field of making those kind of cars uh, uh, right again. Um, Mopars, especially e-bodies and things like that, uh, you know, Barracudas and Cudas, uh, uh, Challengers, if they're not done right, or an early Mustang's not done right, I mean, it is a mess and, uh, and a safety hazard, and these guys know how to structurally deal with those challenges. Uh, so, in, in, in the more modern cars, absolutely, uh, that that's a company that really stands out in my mind. For uh, you know, I want to give them some props. Um, the um, the stuff I'd seen at RM was uh, uh, during my early days in cataloging was unbelievable in the shop there. Um, there's guys like uh, Ernie Moreau there, uh, Don McClellan, um, and and the whole staff there. The so the story was when I worked at, uh, at the auction site, I would uh, go have my lunch with the guys in the restoration shop because uh, uh, they were just uh, just uh, amazing to, to, to get along with. And uh, uh, they were always willing to give me the time to show me, you know, like the Lodge D8, um, Pebble Beach restorations, all the intricate details. I mean, uh, uh, they showed me it all, all the way up to, you know, um, C2 Corvettes, what was right, what was wrong with them. Um, show cars, concept cars, like the uh, the Edsel Ford Speedster um, that um, was uh, widely shown about uh, about 12, 10, 12 years ago. They they did that restoration there, and uh, what an amazing uh, job that was. Uh, concept cars, too, that I saw that they had restored there. So I tried to learn as much as I could from them and see as much as I could of what they were doing, and uh, um, I'd have to say that uh, they're sort of the among the gold standard as far as restoration goes. Well, that's good. And I knew you were referring to Peter Clute and uh, Dream Car Garage up there, Legendary Motor Cars, and uh, obviously RM. Yeah. And I, if you go online, he's got an amazing uh, video there of, of some of the st- restoration stuff that they do up there at, uh, in, in Canada. But, David, we are up against the clock. I want to thank you very much. Um, real quick, if people want to find out more about you, and I know you have an ebook out there, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my website is... Uh, um, ClassicAuctionNews.com, and you can download my free ebook, which is an introduction to classic car auctions and uh, the players in it uh, in that field. The other thing is, I'm launching a new product, a new service uh, for people who have cars to display or cars to sell, um, and it's called MotorCopy.com. And uh, that's where people are going to be able to access written um, sales or display copy. Uh, it's professionally written and uh, fact checked. And uh, they can download it and use it, or they can edit it as they see fit for their needs. And that'll soon be launched and available for purchase. 
Super. Well, David, you take care. The next time a major event takes place, hopefully I'll have an opportunity to meet you in person. And in the meantime, we'll definitely stay in touch. And I want to thank you again for uh, coming on our show this evening. Love it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Robert. Thank you. Keep in touch. I want to thank my special guest, David Nyers, auction rider, concourse uh, rider, consignment, uh, car collector, the whole nine yards. Uh, definitely check out our website. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Winning Cars. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on social media. Bobby, social media real quick. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yeah, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. See you at some of the car shows. Check out flacarshows.com where you can find out where all the car shows are. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.